Hey all, thanks for tuning in to another off-season edition of the Stir Fry Let It Fly podcast. James here, and it is official. The Brody Russell Westbrook is the player for my LA Lakers. Hi, this is Cyrus. Uh, I don't understand why DeMar Rosen has a ranking 90 in the new NBA 2K. And this is Will. And this episode of the Stir Fry Let It Fly is brought to you by Heavy Giselle and their all-natural caviar infused collection. Be naturally beautiful. Okay, so guys, today we are changing things up a little bit. I will let Will take the floor, uh, take the lead about leading some of our topics for discussion today. Will, what did you want to talk about? There's two things I want to talk about. One is the the growing trend of the sign and trade, and I, I, I want to discuss the pros and cons of it. And the second thing is obviously about Russell Westbrook trade. Again. <laughs> okay, so why don't we start with the sign and trade? Will, what are your thoughts? I think the growing trend of the sign and trade is a good thing and bad thing for teams. So let me start off. I, I think, you know, three, four years ago, we, we don't talk about sign and trade a lot. We talk about teams making one or two um, space for for max contract. But lately, ever since I think it's the Katie trade, where Golden State wants to continue to maintain that room, not not caring about paying the luxury tax and the golden state was able to obtain a deal and they were able to get wiggins and they are still packaging like the wiggins of the world and the wiseman and the picks for another guy so what i want to discuss is is sign and trade good or bad for bad teams bad teams so i will start the good is for example, the Rosen. If he, if Santonio had no intention of signing him, he would have left for nothing. Mm-hmm. But yet he was. They were able to get a first round, second round, and maybe some prospect here and there. And we have seen many, many sign and trade this off season. James, can you can you talk about some notable sign and trade just this off season alone? While I talk about the pros and cons, I think the cons for the league, especially the weaker team, is they are unable to compete. But yet, you know, if you have a smart GM, you're able to really, you know, sign a two-year contract where you sign and trade the second year, like the OKCs of the world, where you sign or trade for another guy and then continue flipping flipping uh picks for more more and more in picks that's the that's the pro side of the weak teams mm-hmm. but the con side is the 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 teams that are continue uh contending they won't get weak because they will always have another here expiring contract here another two picks there to continue trading for another contender player mm-hmm so in this summer season alone, uh, four names came up in sign and trades. So Devonte Graham of the Charlotte Hornets mm-hmm. um, going to the New Orleans Pelicans. But the other three names are bigger. So Will already mentioned uh, DeMar DeRozan going to the Chicago Bulls from the Spurs. But then we also have Kyle Lowry, mm-hmm. who's a sign and trade going to the Heat from the Toronto Raptors. And we also have Spencer Dinwiddie. So going from the Wizards 
to, or the, to the Wizards from the Brooklyn Nets. So he was also sign and trade. I think it's all about sign and trade now. Was this allowed like 10 years ago or is that just allowed the recently? I mean, I don't think it's a super recent thing because if we think back, we've got what? Chris Paul. Chris Paul was a sign and trade. Houston. The Houston? Yeah, absolutely. That's how the Clippers got Beverly oh. and Lou Will and Montrose. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, they got those from the Rockets, right? Um, sign-in trades have been around for a while. I think they're just being used more now because of the player empowerment era. So this is a way for, like Will was saying, you know, a lot of those small market teams to still get something out of potentially losing these players to bigger markets, right? And I think a lot of teams nowadays are really over the cap because with the TV deals, I think they are okay with paying over the cap if they get some future potential draft picks in return. So like the San Antonio of the world, they get a um, couple of expiring contracts that they know that will be out of the books for the next year, but then they get a potential first round and a second round and they are okay with that compared to not getting anything in return. I agree. Like if instead of letting the mother Rosen walk out for nothing, like we got um, as a Spurs friend, we got mm-hmm. uh, Travis Young, mm-hmm. Amino, one first round pick and one second round pick, and still, uh, it's it's a bad situation. But you turn something bad into a good situation, in my opinion. Well, I actually thought so. Is Amino an expiring contract? I mean, yes, both are expiring. Okay, so basically the Spurs just wanted cap space. Yep. Because if they want cap space, why not just let DeRozan go? Why take something back? And you get first pick. I actually, because I'm a Spur fan, I actually read into this. The players that they got, a lot of them have second year partial guarantee or non-guarantee contracts. So next year, they still have a lot of room. So with paying like 15 million dollars in salary they are still able to create that cap space for next year when the free agent market hits if they sign somebody who knows but what i want to talk about this sign and trade is i think it created a really big dynamic of three section the really contender the middle and the really weak teams the middle the middle section part is the spurs of the world for example they can come they they can continue competing for like a six to nine seed, but yet they're really not competing. You will, you can have the OKC of the world where I'm just going to blow this whole thing up or maybe in Toronto this year too. And you have the contender who or the pretender like the Chicago Bulls of the world. Do you really think that they are really contending? But then they want to show their fans something at some point that I'm really, we're trying here. Or like I think Pelicans is going to blow gonna pull the trigger at some point because if Sion is gonna leave they're gonna trade all those uh picks and you know some sign and trade they're gonna create a big three whatever that really is they're gonna do that so guys do you think that this sign and trade trend is positive for the league or negative for the league i think it's good for the league just because yes the rich stay rich but in some ways, you give smaller markets some semblance of hope, whether or not it materializes. That's a different topic altogether, right? Because a lot of the times what you're getting is like a distressed asset, right? So think about DeRozan. DeRozan's value is nowhere near as high as it was when he was all NBA, 
right? But at least if you're a Chicago Bulls fan, you're thinking, oh my gosh, like this is giving us something. And if you're a San Antonio Spurs fan, well, at least he didn't leave for nothing. So um, for James, you just say richer get richer, right? It's always like that. The rich get richer, rich absolutely. Like and that. it's always going to be always bigger like markets, that. right? New, the New Yorks of the world, the LAs of the world. The Boston. Boston. Um, Houston, yeah. uh, no, Houston. Uh, Miami. Mm-hmm. DC. Yeah. So like the sign-in trades sometimes work in their favors, but like you have things going on with like Chris Paul, right? So was Chris Paul a sign-in trade to the Phoenix Suns as well? Oh, no, he was he traded signed, he from traded. OKC. That's right. Never mind. But yeah, I, I think the idea is still that it... It gives smaller markets something to hang their hats on, I think, which is better than nothing. If you're going to lose a talent, you might as well get something. Yeah, let's say, you know, like back to your, your scenario, let's say Zion, next, by the time the contract expires, they yeah. don't want to be signed with New Orleans, right? Yeah. Sign a bigger contract and get a huge, I don't know, some player and some pick. Yeah. It's good for New Orleans. Because it's, it's the hope, yeah. right? It's the idea that, oh, even if Zion leaves, oh, we got five picks. Oh, maybe we could get another Zion or another really good player, right? Um, and you got to be able to sell something. I personally think that it's... Uh it's good for the league for now, but I think at some point, if the player empowerment becomes too much, right now, if there's not a lot of teams that would have given the Rosen twenty plus million dollars a year, it might be the Sacramento, it might be the weak teams, but it gives the player hope that okay, I can sign for a contender, but you get something in return if you're able to take in some. Uh, expiring contract basically i think at this point is the player's agent negotiating Mm -hmm. which which happens but then you know they have a lot more options where hey um my 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 player wants to sign for a you know contender whatever that really that means but um he can't do it based on this current payroll structure can we work something out so santonio would benefit somewhat. The player would benefit the most because they can basically pick and choose the team. So it's did Rosen choose to go to Chicago? Of course. For sure. Okay. Absolutely. There's no way that he accepts that sign and trade or the Spurs do that sign and trade without him accepting it. Mm. Um, but I'm pretty sure in a few years they're going to crack this down. They're cracking down on, you know, the uh, tampering. Tampering. Yeah. Mm. Like, obviously, you talk about this. You can't talk about the full trade in two minutes. But, like, honestly, they all talk, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Team USA is a great example. All those players, all those really good players in one, like, roof, like, come on, they talk. You try to join together, right? Sure. So, yeah. my final thing to wrap this up is, should they crack down on this sign-in trade? And if so, how do you think would be best for everybody? Hmm. That's a good question. You mean not allowed to do it at all? Or or, or crack it down where... Uh, I actually don't know how you crack it down. Yeah. I mean, they're already... So here's the thing. The NBA knows that a lot of like rule-breaking is going on, and yet they're not really cracking down. Yeah, but sign-and-trade is not a, a rule-breaking. No, so... I know, but like if they're feeling like it's creating some level of parity, why would they crack down on it? Because it, because let's just say four or five years ago, we have teams uh, emptying out their payroll, like the New York. Mm-hmm. Two max players. That's what people do. 
one max player like Miami was doing for Giannis, two max player for New York, where you know they're just emptying out their payroll to sign a new guy. So the good thing for that is you have your pick still. That you sign two players max, and then you can still trade for somebody with your picks. But with now, like Chicago, for example, they're going all in. They have nothing left, but yet are they really pretenders? So that particular scenario, it's gonna really linger for many, many years for Chicago, for example. But but what if Chicago, let's say, get into can get into conference final? Would that be? Successful for the team. Well, yeah. depending if the GM thinks that you know that's the goal for for their team. But if they can't like stepping outside of that box, yes. If they get into, into the, the conference, conference final, yeah, absolutely, because that would mean they would have either beaten the Nets or the Bucks, right? Okay. If Atlanta last year had did done a sign and trade and they did they got they got to where they did. It's a successful story, right? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, Okay, well, you also wanted to talk about Russ. Tell us more. Okay, I have read many articles, watched many YouTube videos of other YouTubers and, you know, columnists and analysts about the Russell Westbrook trade. What I want to talk about is, you know, obviously I am not a fan of Westbrook, Talking to my friends and talking and reading and watching, I came to a realization. How does a guy get traded to a team that is, you know, the middle of universe? And most of the time, all we talk about is what did the team loses? The pros versus the cons. For this particular trade, we only talk about the cons. The people I talk to at least. So for example... <laughs> who did they lose in this trade or how is he going to negatively impact the team rather than what he brings to the table when you have okay the saying always is a dollar can can trade for four quarters and you do that 100% of the time and this is a perfect example where it's not when you have a dollar you trade for four quarters and people are like, why don't we keep the four quarters? This dollar is going to affect the team negatively. We rarely see a superstar who has like a super max or max deal getting trade to a contender already being so negative. Like James was saying, you know, obviously he's a Lakers lover, but I'm just saying he's a polarizing player. But how come all the analysts, my friend, my, I don't know, I'm going to ask Cyrus yourself, and who cares about James at this point, <laughs> uh, why are people so negative on this trade? Okay, my comment is, uh, Lakers need an, another star, okay? They know that they, they are not going to work like uh, by just LeBron and AD because of New Jersey, uh, the Brooklyn Net and, uh, Keanu, uh, and the Milwaukee Bucks. I think people do not look good on this team because one reason, Westbrook can shoot. Because before the before this trade happened, I think everybody, I, I believe every Lakers fan expect Lakers to sign a shooter. Okay. But instead getting a shooter like uh, Buddy Hills, like uh, Bradley Beal, this, this, type of, this type of player, 
they get a Russell Westbrook. Yes, he's a superstar. But at the same time... Is it what? He's a superstar. Ah, okay. Well, he was. He was a superstar. <laughs> he was a superstar. What was his rating in? Uh, eighty-five. Eighty-five, man. Eighty-five, and the Rosen is ninety. Ninety. Yeah. yeah. Okay. By the way, what 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 is that? What is Anthony Davis? Eighty-nine. <sighs> what well, Anthony Davis 80, is lower 89. than the Rosen? Yes. 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 This makes no sense. Yeah, man. But I mean, people. Bradley Beal is yeah. also like 88, 89. 89. Yeah. But back to Westbrook. I think. Westbrook and LeBron, I think to me, Westbrook is always like a mini LeBron to me. Okay, mm. you put these two type of player together, I mean, unless Westbrook can really adjust his game mm-hmm. or his shooting can be improved a lot in the coming season, mm-hmm. that's why I think people don't look on Lakers because of this reason. I think I don't know why people think that. Um, Westbrook is a mini LeBron. I think LeBron has a brain with brain cells, and Westbrook <laughs> has a brain with no brain cells. So I don't know how. Like we talk about the IQ here, basketball IQ. So okay, I think that Westbrook is actually a solid basketball IQ person, but but he loves playing hero ball, and that's almost like a compo- Like he can't help himself but play hero ball. And I think that's where his shortcomings stand out the most. So can Westbrook shoot? No, right? He's he's not even close to being an average, league average shooter, right? But I think that to Will's point, what the the talking heads don't talk enough about is what things Westbrook does bring to this team. So what he does help this team out a lot with is one, transition. Right, this team is going to be so much more deadly in the fast break than they already are, mm-hmm. right? Because of Russ, he's going to push the pace more. He's going to take the load off Braun, and nobody forget like he's the league leader in assists last season and turnovers and turnovers. But he's not going to have the ball as much in his hands, right? That's the LeBron effect for you. So I think what the Lakers might be thinking is if we can box Russ in, right? Instead of letting him run loose and the chaos and everything if we can give him very specific roles and he buys in then we could possibly see the best version of Russ there is okay let me ask you a question don't tell me lebron james would have the best chance to boxing him in just tell me Mm -hmm. do you think he can be boxed in so i'm not saying i'm not saying out of 30 teams lakers have the best chance but at the end of the day can he be boxing at this points in his career so here's the thing we were having similar conversations with james harden before he actually played a game for the nets granted russ and james are very different players right Mm -hmm. like james is so much more skilled he can do so much more things on the court but everybody going into like his first game as a brooklyn net was like oh my gosh this guy's a ball hog he only knows how to play iso ball right and then what did he show us? He showed us that he was the point guard that made that whole team click even and better. And Harden can shoot. And Harden can shoot, right? So I'm not saying Russ is going to do exactly that. But I'm saying that if you're a great player and you see this as your chance to win a championship, then you're going to be more adaptable than you have been before. Because this is it, right? He, I, I think, I fully believe that Russ wants this to work. And I say that not only because 
he can see this team as a championship caliber team, but because he's a hometown kid, he's an LA kid. I I I don't know. I think you know, in his heart of heart, that's what he thinks he wants to do. Mm-hmm. But I'm sure in OKC era with Paul George, that's what he thinks too. Thinking and doing is two different things. It's true. And like I said, this is where the urge to just take over and play hero ball is Russ at his worst, right? So, so James, let me ask you. So what does Westbrook have to do mm-hmm. to make this Lakers work? Lakers work. So I see the best version of Russ in a Lakers uniform mm-hmm. as the Russ who is uh, dropping his turnovers. He was, I think, what, maybe four a game last year to maybe like two and a half maybe three. Mm-hmm. I see the best version of Russ as still keeping up a good amount of assists, so high in assists, mm-hmm. and low in shots, so shot attempts. So maybe 10, maybe 12 if he's hot, um, but that's the ceiling. So you think he's okay with 16 points a game? I think he has to be, right? I think he may have the occasional 20-point-per-game night, and he'll talk just smack but the lakers offense is at its best when it's a lebron ad pick and roll so no more average double up triple double for him. i don't think so and i think he knows that coming into this yeah and, right? and, uh, and of course but what's a ideal stat line for um russ 16 that he five. would be happy with see i'm actually okay with him grabbing boards honestly but he's not gonna grab boards. so here here's the thing here's why because if he grabs the boards then ad doesn't bang and i don't think ad cares about stats as there's much Dwight at this too. point there's yeah. lebron too sure LeBron yeah but i don't care about that stat too. but i don't think they care about banging their bodies anymore right so, like, I would be okay with Russ being in the 8 to 10 rebounds per game. So Maybe, well, like, 12 points, 12 to 16 points per game. So, do you think Russ would be happy with 16-7-7? Yeah. You think he would be happy? I'm I think so. I'm asking you. Yeah, I think so. I think this is what he has to do to be successful. With lower turnovers, right? Yeah, the, I think, think that's that, what he has that's to do. That's possible. I and think so. If he gets 16-7-7, in your opinion, do you think he would be happy? Yeah. I think so, be- so long as they're winning, right? I don't think so. That's what the do you thing. think, Cyrus? I think in his timeline, mm-hmm. he's not, not, he should, he need to be happy with that line, right? Yeah, he, he does. Has no choice. He, this is his legit last chance. chance. Last chance. I would say last yeah. chance. Yeah, legit last chance at a championship. People say they got Westbrook so that they have a scapegoat for LeBron James. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. And I think Russ so knows that. If, Lakers fail. It's Russ. Yeah, it's not LeBron James. If Lakers win, it's LeBron, LeBron. LeBron James. That's all. It- <laughs> okay. But that that's that's what happens when you're in a LeBron team, yeah. right? Think back to the Cavs when they didn't win. Oh, it's because Kyrie. Oh, it's no, because Kevin, Kevin, Love, Kevin Love, right? But when they do win, who's Finals MVP, right? Okay. Um, same thing with Heat. Oh, they didn't win. Oh, Chris, Chris Bosh, right? Oh, the role players didn't show up, right? But when they do, when O'Bron was so great. Right? Except for Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> that was the only game. The, his first finals, right? But outside of second, that, like... Second final. Oh, right. His second finals. But outside of that, it's just like LeBron gets a pass. He's he's brilliant, right? But he gets a pass. But what about the year that they, they lose to Spurs? Is he the scapegoat? Well, I mean, I think they all were. But he was a scapegoat. That's why he left Miami, right? He got killed. Yeah. yeah. That's why he left Miami. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, 
All oh right. wait, let me just ask everyone a question now. Okay. Do you think this Lakers gonna work out? What is the seal? Oh, okay, I mean, obviously, he's sealing his championship. Mm-hmm. But to what extent would this Lakers team lose in the final being satisfactory? Or, like, if they lose in the conference final, is, is that a letdown? No, if they can win the championship, it's fail. Really? Because uh, that it, Brooklyn it, okay, Nets team I mean, is I mean, stacked, yeah, the, yeah, I think so, too. But they were injured. No, I'm I'm just saying if a full on Lakers yeah. team versus a full on Brooklyn team oh, yeah. and Lakers lose, I don't think that's a letdown unless they get sweep, right? Yeah, like if they like if they lose in six, I, okay. I think I think that's okay. Yeah, they'd actually be the underdogs in that series, right? Okay. Yeah, but if they just lose to the Clippers of the world, then fail. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a fail if they get sweep by. And Any team in the East? I think that's honestly, fair. I think the Clippers are tanking. Well, not tanking, but like I think they've accepted that they're not going to be in the finals this year. Because if you look at the Clippers and what they did, they traded away Beverly, right? They don't, already don't have Lou. Who, what did they do? They just re-signed Reggie Williams. And they got rid of Rondo, too. So, And they got Bledsoe. Like, I, don't, I think they know. I might think they might fit wrong. So for something else, no. who knows? No, I think I think I think the the point of uh, I mean, we're switching to another topic here. Yeah, I think they're training Bledsoe not for Bledsoe, but getting rid of the two guys. Yeah. yeah, but but going back to Will's question, like the ceiling of the Lakers is the championship, right? Mm-hmm. But even then, they're not the favorites overall. They're the maybe the favorites in the West, but not overall. Yeah, and you know, if they lose another year, it's just going to be worse and worse because of Russ and LeBron being older and older too, right? So the window is getting smaller and smaller. Here's the thing, though. Everybody says that, and like I agree that they're getting older, but what people like at this time of the year don't really think about is that Lakers exceptionalism. They always get the free agents they want. People always sign with them. It's Lakers. But it's the superstar league where if LeBron is getting older and Russ is it's getting true. older, it's true. it doesn't matter if you sign all of the world, all, all of the free agent world at the minimum wage. You still have AD. Like last year. You do? But AD is injuring prone, yeah. right? But like, think about what happened last year. Like They got Drummond like on a buyout, right? And then bam, nothing happened. Yeah. Nothing happened. Yeah, this what, guy what was like not like, playable. Melo, Dwight. Yeah, Bazemore. Um, they got Trevor Ariza. Uh, they got Kendrick Nunn. Kendrick, Kendrick Nunn is a good pickup, yeah. I think. He's young. Yeah. My God. Um, so it's going to be an interesting experiment. The I Lakers are going to be must-see. Any TV. of them play defense. Dwight, at this point of their career, maybe a little bit. Except AD. AD is a great defender. I know. But if AD goes down, Russ don't play D. LeBron All don't play D. Things. And every other one don't play D, then you're screwed in the playoff, especially. Playoff. You're going to get chew up alive in the playoff if ad doesn't have a good defensive game i'm not even saying he's he gets hurt if he gets in foul trouble you lose the game and you don't win a a seven game series like that versus you know the west and then the beast in the east my conclusion I'm excited. I want to see the new Lakers. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to see the new Lakers. Absolutely. Same here. Yeah. Yeah. My worlds are colliding. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm nervous, but it's it's happening. It's happening, guys. Um, okay. So we should wrap up. But before then, last quick question. Who is the best player in the NBA? Uh, to me, 
is either Katie or Kiana. So. Well, no, 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 no. You got to pick one. Pick one. None of that. Katie then. Why? So he can do anything. True. He's clutch. Uh huh. He can shoot over you on any spot. Yeah. He can defend. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has no weakness. Okay. Well, Durant, hands down, he has no weakness. So I I don't think Giannis gets enough credit, even though you did mention him. But I'm gonna say a healthy Kawhi. Mm. Just because I think that, like, if we think back to that Dallas series, man, like, Kawhi was so clutch. Kawhi was scoring from everywhere. He's hyper efficient. Um, he's also, a, like, a really, really great, a better defender than Durant, probably. But when Kawhi is on full offensive mode, mm-hmm. he doesn't defend because there's only none of so them much do. energy. But none of them do. Yeah, exactly. Right? So. Would you say a Durant or Kawhi is a better offensive player? So I would say that Durant is the better offensive player, but I think that in the clutch, the coaches usually put Kawhi on the best player on the other team, right? Like Kawhi guarded Luka in the clutch. So you're saying? So I'm saying that it's not just offense. You can't yeah. say it's just offense. The, the overpack. Yeah, that's right. So so are you choosing a healthy Kawhi? Over KD? I think I would choose a healthy Kawhi over But KD. how often do we get a healthy Kawhi? That's the thing, right? <laughs> Th- that's why it's a big asterisk, right? But we've seen what even like a 90% Kawhi could do. That guy won the championship for the Raptors, right? And even the year before like in, in San Antonio, he was yeah. pretty dominant. Yeah. yeah. So like we know that like a healthy Kawhi is lights out. Okay. I I I understand your 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 your, your so with the with everything. Mm-hmm. Don't don't give me the healthy Kawhi. Yeah. I can tell you the twenty seven year LeBron James too. It yeah. makes no sense, right? Uh, so I'm saying, who is the best player in the league? Like right now? Yeah. With so, everything considered, so because like KD has health issues too. Does like he? I know he played stellar, but if you think that they're not going to load manage him next year, you're like I've got something to sell you. Right? I mean, load managing is one thing; getting hurt is another thing. I think if you load manage Durant, you're really low managing Durant. When when Kawhi or or people who are injury prone, you're not we really just going to take that with a grain of salt at mm-hmm. that point. So. I think answer the question, James. So I, I mean, okay. So gun to my head, I would pick KD right for this coming season, but next season, I would probably pick Kawhi. What if they get out in the second round? Then they get out in the second round. Then I'm wrong. But then again, like, what if they win the championship? So James, let me ask you: since you play basketball, so let's say if you you're the defender. Mm-hmm. Kawhi coming to you and KD coming to you. Yeah. Who are you scared for? Well, I mean, here's the thing. Like, you give up for both of them, right? Because, like, Kawhi... So, KD can rain anything on you. You're right, right? And you, there's no way you can reach that seven-foot wingspan. Right. Right. Um, but Kawhi gets at you differently. Um, he's more pound you. 
he like despite his frame is really really strong and he's the guy who prime lebron in miami saw Kawhi checking in at the oh, table oh, yeah. was like Come fuck <laughs> like yeah, yeah. this guy's coming in again right and while we may not see that Kawhi anymore in terms of that defensive savant, we still see flashes of him when we need to. Just ask Luca. Who's more clutch? I don't know, man. I think like, they're both pretty clutch. Yeah, they're both pretty clutch. <laughs> they have the both. Because like clutch. they know when to take over, right? That's okay. the thing. That's what makes them so special. So he didn't answer anything. I mean, I still say KD this year, Kawhi next year, but that's only because Kawhi is working through a knee injury. Okay. But the last time Kawhi had a knee injury, the year after, we knew what happens, right? He won the championship. No Curry? No, no Curry? No, I mean, as much as I really do admire Curry, like he can't be the best or player. Or Luka or, or Giannis or LeBron. At this Giannis, point? Yeah, Giannis is there. He's, he's, he's there. Yeah, I would put Giannis over LeBron right now. Yeah, well, when you when you can put like flaws. Nah, I mean you could say the same thing about Shaq, and yet Shaq was the best player at that point. At that point, like you could say Shaq can't hit free throws. That's true. You mean the Lakers Shaq? Yeah, the Lakers Shaq. But like he was the best player. Come on, like he should have gotten consecutive MVPs. That's true. Right. Yeah, but like Shaq was, I mean, Duncan, yes. Okay, props to Duncan, but it shouldn't have been Nash, right? Like, it, it should have been Shaq's MVP. It should have been. It should have been Shaq's. At least Nash's. one more. At least, At least one, one yeah, more. Yeah. We will take out the Iversons here he, when he got MVP. So uh, Shaq got, got his first MVP yeah. and then Iverson. And then Duncan, Duncan. Yeah, I mean, it's rough because I think what I, the Iversons MVP is representative of how special that year was for him, right? Because they got to the final. Yeah, that, that year was a too. special year, and that's why I think it's a legit MVP, right? Okay. Um, but like, obviously, that was the like that five to ten year stretch was basically Shaq and Duncan, yeah, and maybe Kobe, but Shaq and Duncan, Shaq and Duncan, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. So we will leave it there. Um, we will catch you all in the next one. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Stir Fry Let It Fly podcast. See ya. See ya.